Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. Amen, amen, amen. Um, It is Pastor's Appreciation Month. Um, And today, it's it's good timing because I was thinking back when... um, this is probably like five, four, probably five or six years ago or something. And I really liked it when people called the church building and asked for a pastor. And I was like the only one here. Because I could be like, oh, no, sorry. No pastors are here. Can't help you with your life problem. <laughs> Bye. Not funny? That's fine. So now that we are pastors, now it's like, okay, we, we actually have to be pastors, you know. <laughs> anyway, but it was funny because five or, or, no, six, maybe seven years ago, I'm getting all the times mixed up. Just give me some grace, okay? Okay. And uh, Bobby Connor one time looked at me and said, you know what your number one call is? And I said, no, I don't even know my last name right now. I don't know anything at all. <laughs> you know when a prophet looks at you and you forget your name? Yeah. Um, so anyway, he said, your number one call is evangelism. Your number one call. I said, wow, that's awesome. And it confirms something. How many know the prophetic should confirm something that's happening in your life? So somebody comes to you and they say, hey, I have a prophetic word for you. And it's like out of left field and it is actually contrary to where you believe and you know that you're called to. It might not be a prophetic word from God. It might be them trying. Right? Okay. So anyway, um, I was like, I remember, Pastor, I don't know if you remember this, but this is a long time ago, and I came into wherever you were. Actually, you were in the front office, and I walked up in there, and I was like, Pastor Char, I have an idea. Everybody, like, ordains pastors, you know, but, like, what? Did, what why don't we, like, ordain evangelists? So we don't have to be, you know, I don't have to <laughs> counsel people. <laughs> I didn't say that part, but she knew it, you know. They always know what you're thinking. It's so annoying. Anybody? Oh, but isn't it awesome? It's a blessing. Uh, dude, just so you know, your pastors know more about you than they think, and it's not because of your Facebook, okay? Uh, it's awesome. Anyway, so I was asking her, do you think we could, like, ordain evangelists instead of pastors all the time? Like, why don't we do that, you know? Like, there's a five-fold ministry. Like, let's give them all some love, you know? And uh, anyway, she said, well, I think they do, actually. And they do. (laughs) Um, But this was all new to me back then. And she said, but oftentimes you'll see people get ordained as pastor. Do you remember this conversation? No, that's that's okay. Probably good. Um, But uh, she said, oftentimes people will be ordained as pastors first. And then they'll end up being ordained as a prophet later or an evangelist or an apostle or a teacher or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Why is that? And she said, because if you are a prophet, if you're ordained as a prophet and you don't have the heart of a pastor, you could hurt somebody. And pastor Charles like, that's a good word. <laughs> it was your word. And she said, similarly, if you're an ordained as an evangelist, but you don't have the heart of a pastor, then you'll just be all about getting souls. And you won't care about what happens to them afterwards. And you'll just create orphans. And I'm like, I don't like this. You know, anyway, it really challenged my thinking. And I was thinking about that today. And I look at our pastors and they truly have the heart of pastors. 
And it's really something because we all know this. Pastor Shar really flows in the prophetic. I mean, like crazy. She prophesied like two years ago that God was going to expose corruption and things in these big-time preachers that are around the world. And it happened. Like, bam, bam, bam. And that's just one example of numerous things that she's flown in prophetically, including just each of us one-on-one, you know. Um, pretty amazing. And they even flow, and Pastor Bob does too. i got to give him some love, even though he's uh, not here tonight, slipping from the Lord. Um, did you see that? I almost turned into salt. Did you see that? I was, whew, I made it. God is gracious. Um, but no, but I mean, he flows really well in teaching, strongly in teaching, and also in the prophetic. And they, they both flow apostolically. They both flow evangelistically. That was a hard word to get out. It's amazing. They flow in all of them is what I'm saying. But they really carry these shepherd hearts. And I think I can say on behalf of all of us, Pastor Shar and Pastor Bob, we're really thankful for you and you're amazing. And it's not just Pastor's Appreciation Month. We do all the months, right? So um, can I just be completely honest with you about something? But we have to make an agreement. You can't judge me. Deal? Just remember what Jesus said. If you judge, your hair looks great, by the way. Haircut looks really good, Bobby. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Some people look good no matter what their hair looks like, and it's you, but it looks good tonight, too. So um, anyway, yeah, Jesus said, don't judge lest you be judged, whatever. So no judging. Deal? Okay, so one of the hardest things, because now my wife and I are pastors, and one of the hardest things, even before we were, like, ordained, one of the hard, can I tell you one of the hardest things about being in ministry full-time, like, as a pastor, can I just tell you? Okay, remember the deal. Remember the deal. It's not being called a cult. Actually, that's becoming increasingly easier. (laughs) It's not having picketers outside the church. Um, it's, it's not, I had somebody throw a slice of cheese on my truck. I was like, only in Wisconsin. <laughs> what an insult, craft, you know. It's like, you're a genius. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's not, it's not like counseling, it's not deliverance, it's not teaching, it's not any of those things. The hardest thing, at least for me, and I don't want to speak on behalf of them, but for me, the hardest thing has been wanting to see people grow closer to Jesus more than they want to grow themselves. I'm telling you, that, I didn't, and I haven't been able to put words into it until recently, but now I see that. You know what I mean? Like, I'll see people come in. And they encounter God here. How many know it's amazing that we can come in here in person and we can worship Jesus and we can encounter him and, it, and he's tangible and it's wonderful, right? Aren't you thankful for that? It's awesome. And so people I've seen and you've seen so many times they come in and encounter Jesus and they respond to the invitation to give their life to him. And it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's beautiful. And then I find you know, after the first few weeks, they're seeing a difference, you know. It's, it's beautiful. It's awesome. But then after, sometimes, like after a month or two, they begin to get a little distant. They, they begin to slowly not come as often. And they don't come to sell as frequently. And they don't quite respond to text messages as much. 
And I think, gosh, I wonder what's going on, you know. And as I try to get together with them, if I get the chance, I'll oftentimes ask, and I ask everybody that I get together with, all of my friends and people in, in cell and everything, I'll be like, so how's your, how's your prayer life? And I have heard for every single person that has been drifting from God, there's been a common denominator in that area, and it's been non-existent. Isn't that something? Now, last time I preached, I don't, I don't remember when it was. It was on a Saturday night, but I was preaching on how to live a life of fire. And I said there were four things. It's not an exhaustive list. There's plenty of things we could put in there. But there were four things that God was burning in my heart that we need to do in order to live a life of fire of the Holy Spirit or live a life of fruit. Does anybody remember what that one thing was? We only got through the first point that night. But it was really good. And it was what? It was to die to yourself. Does anybody remember that? Well, thank you for remembering. <laughs> but um, it was amazing because we were talking about the importance of dying to yourself. And, chap and Luke, I think it's chapter 9. Don't quote me on this. But Jesus said, anybody, if anybody wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Notice he didn't say let him deny the government of the region. He didn't say, let them deny people who believe differently than you. He didn't say, let them deny the devil. Isn't that interesting? He said, if anybody should follow after me, let him deny himself. He said, let him deny himself. But he didn't stop there, right? What else did he say? Let him pick up his cross daily. I checked, dude, I checked every English translation I could find. And every single one that I could find had the word daily in there. Let him pick up his cross daily and follow me. And so we talked about picking up your cross daily. And all that means is simply to die to yourself. And I presented the invitation, if you want to die to yourself, come up front and you just communicate to Jesus what that looks like for you. And those of you that were here, you remember, I think all of us came up front, right? And it was, oh, it was awesome. But I failed to mention that that does need to be a daily practice. Not just after a sermon, not just at a church service, but in our secret place with the Lord every morning, every night, every afternoon. Are you with me? So that was just the first thing, and I've had it burning in my heart to get to the second thing, but I haven't preached in a while, and I was like, oh, maybe God will, like, change the direction. Maybe we'll just go somewhere different, you know? No. No, we're not. We're going to hit number two tonight. And I'm excited because it has literally been the pulse of the church ever since then. Aren't you, are you ever encouraged when you're hearing God right yeah, well, I was and I am, so hallelujah. Grab your Bible, if you would, please, and hold it up. Oh, my goodness, look at these Bibles. So good. We got some phones. That's what I'm talking about. Look at, look at, their, look at your neighbor and say, my Bible's way cooler than yours, man. Look back and say, quit judging me like that. My Bible's cooler than yours. No, hold them up, hold them up, hold them up. Say, this is my Bible. It is more important than anything on the planet. It is more nutritious 
than any meal. It is more necessary than the very air that I breathe. Go to Luke chapter 9 with me, if you would, please. Janae, I'm glad that you didn't tell us what you're doing for offering because we were in sync. That's pretty awesome. Luke chapter, what did I say? I was joking. Go to 7. Gotcha. You guys mind if I get a water break quick? My bad. It turned into wine as I drank it. I don't know how that happened. It was crazy. Jesus is alive. <clears throat> Are you there, Luke 7? Okay, so um, I don't know how we're going to do this. We're just going to read. Does that sound good? All right. Luke chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 36. Okay, then one of the Pharisees asked him, who's him? Bingo. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Fun fact, when we invite Jesus, how many know he comes? Isn't that awesome? Say this, say, when I invite Jesus, he's faithful to come. Now, if we could just dim the lights for a moment Um, there's a few things contextually that I think are important here. As we read this, notice that in my translation, I'm reading out of the New King James, if that matters to you, Um, but it says that he went to this guy's house, his name is Simon, and it says that he sat down. Well, fun fact, oftentimes people, they would sit down at a table, but sometimes at a banquet-type setting, they would actually recline. And if you look at this word sit, just so you know, this word actually means to recline, okay? Now, why am I telling you this? Because when Bobby Connor was speaking one time, he said, when you read the Bible, he said, picture the scene. He said, when you read the Bible, put yourself in the story. What did it look like? What time of day was it? What do you think the temperature was? Was there a smell that was present in the place? Were they inside? Were they outside? Are you with me? So this is why I'm trying to to give this to you, okay? Now, I got a picture I'd like to show you. This is what it actually looked like when they were eating at this table. They were reclining. Oftentimes, they would recline on their left arm so they could grab with their right hand and grab food off the table because they didn't have forks or spoons. That wasn't until several years later. So they would go like this and eat. And if they wanted to talk to the person next to them, they would lean back like this and talk to them, or they would lean forward and talk to the person next to them. Isn't that interesting? Does anybody have a table like that? No? Does anybody want (laughs) to? But they see, they would make these little couches, and it would be nice and comfy and all that. And uh, anyway, but this is important, and you'll see why in a moment. Because they're sitting at the table, but where are their feet? They're pointed outwardly, right? Doesn't that make sense? Remember when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples? Doesn't that make sense now? Like how easy that would have been? Okay, let's keep reading. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Say alabaster flask and say fragrant oil. 
Isn't it interesting that Luke had to note that she was a sinful, or excuse me, she was a sinner? Isn't that interesting? As if everybody else in the room was not? How many know the world measures sin against sin, right? So, like, if you steal batteries from Dollar General or if you kill somebody in the world, they would. if you had to be locked in a room with somebody, who would you pick? The battery guy, right? Right? If you had to say who deserves a more severe crime, who would you pick? The battery guy, the guy that stole the, the battery, right? I say that because I stole batteries from a Dollar General when I was a kid. That's like always my reference. I don't know. I repented. No more judging me. No, I used them. I repented long after. <laughs> but how many know with Jesus, he doesn't compare sin against sin. He compares sin against himself. Isn't that amazing? I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus, aren't you? Listen, man, just, I don't, just in case anybody needs to hear this, whether you stole batteries or you stole something, or whether maybe you have served time in prison, to man, man might judge you differently, but God looks at you the same way as he looks at me and everybody else. And if you're washed in the blood of Jesus, guess what he sees? He sees righteousness. You have been justified. Isn't that awesome? Oh, I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus. Now, it's fascinating here that she brought an alabaster flask and fragrant oil. The reason this is significant, I'm trying to be careful with where all I go here, because some of it, it's just fun facts, but some of it's, it's important. And I'll say this, alabaster isn't mentioned a lot in Scripture. It's not mentioned a lot. But the times that it is mentioned, I think are significant. Okay? So, in the Old Testament, alabaster is mentioned in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2. Okay? You don't have to write it down. You have to turn there. But this is when David, he was getting close to the end of his days, King David, and his son was going to build the temple for the Lord. Now, what was the temple? What was the temple? What was it for? It was for worship. It was the place that the presence of God would dwell, yes? Now, it's interesting, those of you that have read in the Old Testament, how, how intricately designed was this temple? Oh, man, to the, to the finest detail, right? The temple was crafted by master craftsmen, right? And so David, in that First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1 and 2, he's like, hey, my son really doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. But don't worry, I bought all of the materials for the construction. We've got it all. We've got all the gold that we're going to need. We've got all the silver that we're going to need. we got some alabaster. Interesting. Alabaster was one of the materials used in the temple, Solomon's temple. It wasn't Solomon's. It was God's, right? But Solomon built it for God, okay? Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with this, the temple was literally like how many of God always wanted us to be a kingdom of priests, right? In Exodus chapter 19, I think it's verse 6, he says, I want all of you to be a kingdom of priests, and I will make you a holy nation, right? 
And even fast, I mean, if you were to go even further back, like in the garden, how many know before sin entered man, they walked in the cool of the day with God? And it was perfect. Their relationship had not been adulterated at all. It was awesome. Fully vulnerable is just wonderful, right? But then sin entered the world. Okay, so then God's like, no, it's all good. I want to make you a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. But then what happened? Anybody remember? Remember the mountain? Remember? There was thunder. There was lightning. It was freaky. And all the Israelites were like, nah, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> right? They said, Moses, you, you talk to him. You, you talk to him. We'll do whatever you say, but we're not, no, we're not doing that. No way. Too scary. Right? How many know they missed out? They missed out. So that's why we had the tabernacle. And who was able to enter the tabernacle? The priests. Right? The priests. Say the priests. So this was originally supposed to be all of us. Right? So they were supposed to be able to enter in. And they had a lot of, a lot of things that they were supposed to do. Right? Offer up sacrifices. Uh, take care of the bread. Make sure the lamp's burning. And the very last station in the ark, or excuse me, in the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant at the very back of the room. And there was a veil that concealed it. And the high priest could only enter into the very presence of God because, see, the Ark of the Covenant was where God dwelt, right? But the high priest could only go in there how many times a year? Just once. How many know we can go in every day? Aren't you thankful for that? Whoo, I know I am. But in front of the veil stood the what? The altar of incense. Now, here's what's fascinating. You have that picture, sir? Check out this altar of incense. They would actually take the coals or the fire, say fire. They would take the fire from where they burnt the uh, offerings, and they would put it in the altar of incense. And they would burn a fragrant oil up to God. Now, how often did they have to do this? Every morning and every night. Say every morning and every night. Is this boring so far? Don't worry, we're going to get somewhere with it, I promise, okay? So every morning and every night, the priest would show up, and he would burn with fire a fragrant mixture that would lift up to God. And he liked it. He really liked it. It would be a sweet aroma. It was pleasant to him. Now, incense is symbolic of what? Prayer. In Psalm 141, I think it is, King David writes, Lord, let my prayer be set before you like incense. In Revelation chapter 5, John writes, he has this vision, and he sees 24 elders and four creatures bowing before the Lord with these golden bowls full of this oil, or this, this fragrant oil. And you know what it is? It says that it's the prayers of the saints. So somehow, listen, y'all, when we, okay, when we boil water, what happens to it? It turns into steam. That's pretty crazy, right? Think about that. Prove God existence, right? I mean, that's insane. You boil water and it turns into steam. Well, did you know, my friend, that when we pray, it somehow transforms into an aroma to God? And then when it passes through the filter of his nose, however that works, it becomes oil, and it is laid in a bowl. So every time that you pray, you are filling a golden bowl in the kingdom of God. 
Isn't that something? Now, here's what's fascinating. Watch this. Let's look at this again. This verse, the reason I shared all that is because so beautifully Luke captures the intersection of all of these things. Revelation, Exodus, Luke. Are you following? I hope, I hope you're not bored. I'm telling you this is great. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. So were you, Luke. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Isn't this something? How many know when Jesus died, we became the tabernacle? We became the temple. But here the Son of God, something greater than the tabernacle, was sitting in Simon's house, reclining at a table. So unseemingly, yeah? Did you know that in the Song of Solomon's chapter 5, verse 15, talking about the, 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 the king, I think it was, the man who represents Jesus, it says that his legs are like pillars of alabaster. So here she is at his feet, the one that, that Solomon wrote about, who has these legs that are pillars of alabaster with an alabaster flask. Alabaster is just marble. It's a whitewashed marble stone containing this fragrant oil at his feet. Isn't that something? This is a picture of what prayer looks like. This is what I'm getting at, okay? If you want to live a life of fruit, if you want to, and by the way, this is also interesting. Isn't it cool that in the, in the uh, altar of incense, they burned the mixture? They burned it. What did they have to burn it with? What did you use? Fire. Did you know your prayers, when fueled with the fire of the Holy Spirit, they touch God? This is awesome. For all you Bible nerds, <laughs> is this awesome or what? For all of you future Bible nerds, is this awesome or what? Oh, it's awesome. Oh, i got to stay on track. So she stood there at his feet behind him, weeping. Isn't that fascinating? He hadn't said a word to her yet. But there, he, there she stood behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. Now, before I continue to read this, just so you know, sometimes when a religious leader of the day would hold a banquet like this, some could argue that it was prideful, some could argue that it was charity, but they would allow people like this woman to come in, but they had to stay in the perimeter of the room and not commingle with the guests or the host or partake of any of the food. They were meant to just sit and watch and listen. Don't interrupt. You can come in, sure, but that's it. She is breaking protocol here, isn't she? So here she is, she's, she's weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. How many know at first she stood, but eventually she was on the ground? I don't know that you can kiss his feet without not standing, you know? It reminds me a whole lot of what Pastor Bob has said, that we'll never be able to go high unless we are first willing to go low. 
It reminds me of the vision that was recorded last weekend by Carrie Edwards about that river, I think it was, of water. I hope I don't mess this up, but it, it was coming in here, and it was only knee-deep, mid-calf. And the only way to get, I think she was wondering, wait, why isn't this river higher? And the interpretation was, no, you're supposed to go low, get into that river. Isn't that something? Well, she got down into that river. Are you with me? And what's also fascinating is that Jesus hadn't done anything for her yet. Did you notice that? All he did was eat some unleavened bread and some fish. I don't know what they were eating. What were they eating? Some black beans and some chipotle and some Chick-fil-A. That's what I want to know, man. When they multiplied the bread and the fish, why couldn't it be Chick-fil-A? You're the son of God, Lord. You could have, anyway. He hadn't done a single thing. Did you, did you realize that? There was no, he didn't speak a word to her. He didn't, he didn't heal her back. He didn't buy the oil for her. There was, there, we, there's nothing that we're aware of that Jesus did to solicit this kind of a response from this woman. Isn't that interesting? And when she got to his feet, she's, she's weeping, y'all. How much do you got to cry to be able to wash a guy's feet? I mean, this wasn't like the sniffles, you know? I mean, she was weeping, it says. It, she wasn't even just crying. She was weeping, but he didn't do anything. And when, he, when she got down by the feet, there weren't even pierced holes yet. They were perfectly normal feet, human feet. He hadn't done a single thing yet. I wonder how many of us are waiting on something before we're willing to drop down to his feet. When we really have nothing else to wait for. I understand, man. I got needs just like you've got needs. And some of them are very pressing. And I thank God that he is so happy to fulfill every need. I thank God that he has promises that he is more than happy to fulfill. But how many know if he never did a single thing other than die on that cross and resurrect from that grave and baptize us in the Holy Spirit, he doesn't have to do anything else. He's done more than enough. Right? But here in the States, I feel like we live in the land of opportunity. Right? We live in the land of comfort and Disneyland. And so we're like, oh, my car isn't good enough. When we got people that are across the world where if they just have a Christian meeting above ground, they could have their heads. I find it amazing that he didn't do a single thing for her. All she did was heard the reputation of what he's done. At this point, it's probably been about two years of his ministry, so it's only a year before he gives his life on the cross. So there's, there's plenty of story here that she's heard. There's testimony that she's heard. And that was all it took was to, that it took to solicit that kind of a response. And none of it was even personal yet. <laughs> she heard about the leper that got healed, and she was ripped to the core. Isn't that something? Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him, how many know when we invite him, he comes? Do you remember? When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she's a sinner. How many know you can be in the very presence of Jesus and still be a judgmental critic and totally miss it? 
I've been there. That's been me. I know it's never been you. <laughs> That's so funny. One guy's like, mm-hmm, not me, not me. Well, it's been probably all of us, right? You know, it's it's nice to be able to read this with the 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 hindsight that we have. We know who Jesus is reading this. This man didn't know. And we could argue about whether or not he should have, right? But you know what's amazing is back then, many of the Jewish leaders didn't even believe prophets existed anymore. Did you know that? They thought the prophets, that prophets stopped after the last prophet died. Does that sound familiar? Interesting. The religious leaders of the time didn't think prophets existed anymore. They thought that they were done after the last prophet died. Who was the last prophet? Malachi. So after Malachi died, they're like, oh, there's no more prophets. I'm not going to go there anymore. We're just going to leave that where it is. But he must have had some honor in his heart if he regarded him as a prophet, even potentially. Do you see? So, I mean, yeah, this guy was obviously the villain of the story, but he was well in, he was well-meaning. He invited him over, put his reputation on the line. He thought that he could be a prophet. He was inquisitive. Yeah? But he still missed it. And oftentimes when, when religious leaders or really when anybody would host any sort of meal, hospitality was a big deal. And this is where we're going to start getting into the good stuff, all right? All that other stuff, that was just an appetizer, Okay. But oftentimes what they would do is they would provide, as a good host, they would have somebody at the front with some water for the person's feet to wash their feet, right? Sometimes because it would be really hot out and the sun would be baking on them, they would actually provide oil for their head. That wasn't like going the extra mile, you know? It's like giving you chapstick in the winter around here, you know? It's not used, I promise, you know? Hospitality was a big deal, and it would be off. Nobody would ever, even if the hospitality was terrible, at least back then, honor was so important that they would never call out the host and be like, dude, you suck. Stink. Sorry. Sorry. They wouldn't do that. It was just disrespectful, you know, try to keep the peace. You know what I mean? So let's just watch and see what happens here. Verse 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. (laughs) I would need to change my cloak or whatever they wore back then. (laughs) I was going to say loins, but that's not right, right? What is the loin? Sorry, I'm not very well versed on my Jewish wardrobe. Anyway, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Brave man. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Denarii was just one day's wage, if I'm not mistaken. Anybody fact check me on that? Yeah, okay. So one had a lot, one had a little. And when... They had nothing with which to repay. He freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, 
which of them will love him more? Interesting question. Which will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then he, Jesus, turned to the woman and, ta- and said to Simon. So who's he talking to? He's talking to Simon, right? But he's looking at this woman. All of a sudden, can you imagine her heartbeat? Remember, Bobby, Bobby Connor, when he said, Get, put yourself in there. I mean, just imagine. Put yourself in one of the people. You know, Let's put ourselves in the feet of this woman. She's sitting there. All of a sudden, it's getting really tense, right? It was already tense. She was risking a lot. Now, I don't know what the punishment could have been for interrupting the meal. I have no idea. But it couldn't have been super good, okay? But here, there's a little debate happening, right? And the tension's rising in the room. And then all of a sudden, this man, this son of God, this God-man, turns on this table as he's reclining, and he locks eyes with you. And all you can think about is your shame. All you can think about is what your reputation is. All you can think about is, oh, what is he going to say to me? I know what the guy across the room, I know what Simon would say to me. What is he going to say? This could not end well. Her heart starts to beat. I imagine sweat begins to drip just a little bit. Are you with me? And he says, do you see this woman? She says, oh, man. Oh, man. I'm going to get kicked out of here. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. He's calling out this man's hospitality. Can I just tell you one of my main points here? It's taken a long time to get here, but I pray that it's worth it, and I pray that you catch this. It is one thing to invite him in the room and to have him come. It is another to host him well. Right? It's one thing to invite him. And how many know we must? That's the right move. Say, that's the right move. It's good to invite him. We must invite him. I would Shoot, knowing that if I invite him, he comes, I'm going to invite him every moment I can think about it, right? But it must not stop there because it is possible to invite him and have his presence in the room and you still miss it because you did not host him appropriately. And here's what's fascinating. What caught the attention of Jesus? Yeah, sure, he mentioned the feet being washed. He mentioned the wiping with the hair, right? He mentioned the kisses. He mentioned the oil. But there was something deeper. What was it? Her love. When you walk into your prayer time with Jesus, by the way, I would love to just, like, replace the word prayer with hosting. When you're hosting Jesus, when you walk into your prayer time, you walk into your your meeting room, and you shut the door, it's good to, to lift your hands. It's good to dance. It's good to sing. It's good to bow. It's good to lay prostrate before the Lord. It's, it's good to do all of those things. But how many know all of those things must come from a root place of love? 
So if I'm doing all of the things but not having love, I'm missing it. In Isaiah chapter 1, I think it is. I believe it's Isaiah chapter 1. It's in the very beginning of Isaiah. The Lord actually says to Israel, your incense is annoying to me. I don't want it. But that's interesting because he commanded it earlier. But he's like, no, I don't even want it. And then if you keep reading in that chapter, eventually he says, just turn from your wickedness. Turn from your sin. Get your life right. Get your heart right. I want your heart more than I want your incense. I feel like the Lord wants to say tonight, I want your heart more than your best effort. Have you ever gone into prayer and you were working really hard? (laughs) Come on, man. You were jumping through the gymnastics. You were doing your thing. You know what I'm saying? And then you walk out and you're like, "Eh, nothing happened. Anybody? Yeah, it's all of us. It's all of us. I learned something. The priests, do you know what their assignment was overall in the tabernacle? It was to minister to the Lord. That was their assignment, to minister to the Lord. Here's what happens. I walk into prayer sometimes, and I got a motive. I got a, not a motive, I got a goal. And my goal is breakthrough. My goal is my lost family member. My goal is the flag football team that I play with, right? My goal is financial breakthrough, right? We have goals, yes? Or, does, or do you all not pray with goals? Okay, so we walk into prayer time, and we have these goals, and it's really good and everything. And, I, and sometimes my goal is just an encounter. I just want to encounter you, Jesus. That's my goal. I just want to encounter you. And so I'm in there, and I'm like, like petitioning for this encounter with Jesus. And then when it doesn't happen, or when I don't get the revelation that I need, or when I don't get that fresh wind that I'm praying for, I walk out, and guess what I feel? Discouraged. I feel bummed. I feel disappointed. And I start to question, I don't know if prayer works, man. You know? But here's the thing. If what I get from God is my goal, then it is very likely that I will leave discouraged. Yes? But if what I give to God is my goal, then I will leave 100% successful every time. So if I go into my time with the Lord and it's my mission, my one mission, yes, there's a million things. I got 99 problems, but my God ain't one. Anybody? Hello? I got all these things I've been praying for. But if I just lay those aside, if I surrender them, if I I lay them aside and I go to him and my goal is like, God, yeah, I got all these things. I just love you. I just love you. You are incredible. There is no one like you in all the earth. I adore you. You truly are the bright and morning star. You are the Lion of Judah in whom I find refuge. You are the Lamb of God that was slain for me in my brokenness, yet you loved me and you came for me and you picked me up and you pulled me up out of the miry clay and you set my feet on solid ground. You put that new song in my mouth and I adore you for that, Jesus. Do you see? I go in and I'm just worshiping and I'm just worshiping and maybe I run out of a vocabulary because this is new for me. (laughs) It's my heart. And I'm just like, I don't know what to say, but I'm here, and I love you. When that becomes my goal, when I leave my prayer room, as long as I worshiped, then I won't be discouraged. You want to erase discouragement from your prayer life? 
change your goal. If you want to never leave your prayer time with your head sagging, keep it up and just worship. Has anybody been discouraged in prayer at all? Okay. How about this week? Can we have some transparency? Anybody been discouraged in that this week? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is your answer. Who's felt attacked this week? Yeah, buddy. I had the worst first three days of this week that I've had since I can remember. They were horrible. I mean, Pastor Shar texted me. He's like, Jake, is everything okay? <laughs> Prophets. Gosh. Just not everything. But for real, I, how many of y'all felt depressed and you're like, gosh, I just feel like I'm in this pit. I don't know how I got here. I had a great weekend and everything was fine, but I don't know how I got here. Anybody? Yeah. How many of you just felt frustrated and you didn't even know at what? Like, you're just like, I just want to punch something. Right? And you're like, man, I pray somebody crosses me right now. They're going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to get me two. Bam, bam. Anybody? I have your answer. And it's not just for you, it's for me too. If we want to live a life of fire and a life of fruit, we must, number one, die to ourselves every single day, consecrate ourselves to the Lord. Say, Jesus, I am not my own. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ in me, the hope of glory. I am no longer my property, but I've got your name written across my T-shirt because I'm cool. I got to consecrate my, by the way, if you, how many of you are terrified to death to talk to somebody about Jesus as a stranger? You're like, that just, nobody. Really? Oh, good. Then I'm not going to tell you what I was going to say because you ain't scared. All right. So the first thing is to do that. And the, by the way, if you ain't scared, then you better tell somebody this week Jesus loves them. If you didn't raise your hand, you got an assignment and Jesus is watching you. Listen, if, if it freaks you out, for anybody watching online, because everybody here is perfect, if, if, and please come, because I, you, we can relate. So if it freaks you out to open your mouth, just wear a shirt like this. Honestly, you don't have to say anything. Just wear, just wear, I mean, it would be great for you to say something, okay. But as a start, just wear this shirt and live like him. And make sure you don't not live like him. Okay? Believe me, when they see Jesus on your shirt, the message has been shared. <laughs> And your actions will reflect him, whether good or bad. So if it terrifies you to open your mouth, buy one of these shirts and wear it and then live like him. That's all you got to do. Give a massive tip. When you're going to go out to eat and you're like, man, I'm going to tip this dude 100 bucks. Wear this shirt. Okay. I got to stay on track. But this is all really good. Okay. Um, then he said to her, by the way, this is the very end of the whole thing. Your sins are, oh, I didn't tell you the second thing. Did you want to know the second thing? Good grief. I'm glad somebody's paying attention. Didi, you get an extra bonus points in heaven. The first thing is to what? The second thing, every single day, host Jesus. Every single day. And I'm not talking, listen, man, listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about in a coffee shop with your Bible and your favorite Instagram post of your favorite verse. I'm talking about when you go, like Matthew 6, 6, when you go into your room, 
In Luke 5.16, it says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says anybody who claims to be in Christ must live as Jesus lived. Therefore, if Jesus went off, if the Son of God, fully God and fully human, had to go off and pray, how many know we need that? It would be the silliest thing if I told my wife, hey, girl, I'm super busy, okay? So we can't really have intimate alone time together today. Maybe this weekend, if I can make some time, we can hang out, you know, for like 30 minutes, maybe. But I'm thinking, well, tell you what, we can talk right before we eat. And we can talk to each other right before we go to bed for like two and a half minutes with a couple of sentences that we say all the time. How's that sound? Heck to the no, boy, I'll be sleeping on the couch. Me and Vera be snuggling it up. But sometimes with the Lord, we do that. We're like, hey, Lord, yeah, I, I love you. I've just, I'm kind of busy to pray right now. I just got a lot of stuff going on, so I can't really have a lot of intimate quality time with you because 30 minutes is way too demanding. I sit on the toilet longer than that. But, you know, I can't really, I can't really do that because I'm so busy and everything. Come on, man. I can't read the word because I just have not. If you just read the Bible every time you took a number two. What? Hey, hey, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Don't be mad. Don't be offended. Listen to Pastor Shar's message last weekend. You would be through the Bible in six months, some of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to get, never mind, never mind, never mind. Is it true, though? Is it true? You held up your phone, ma'am, about your Bible. We all could do it. If you need to figure out how to download the Bible on your phone, talk to a millennial. We'll help you, okay? But get the Bible on your phone. Read it every day, whatever. Okay, but first thing, die every day. Second thing, host Jesus every day, okay? Um... Oh, there's so much I want to say about this, but I'm out of time. Okay, but he said to her, your sins are forgiven. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. How many know if you want to go in peace, you got to go from peace? That just came out of my mouth. That was awesome. I think I will. I'm going to get a tattoo, Bonnie. It's going to say, it's going to say, If you want to go in peace, go from peace. But you can only go from peace if you host him. Right? He's the prince of peace. Isn't it fascinating that he said that to her, go in peace? It was peace telling her to go with him in a way. Isn't that something? Thanks, God. Okay, can I show you one more example? I know we're out of time almost. You all okay? All right, I know you're just so bored right now. Yeah, my man, we got time. We got time. Okay, Um, this is in the same book written by the same author, written about the same Jesus, okay? This is in Luke chapter 10, just a few pages over. This is fascinating. Um, Pastor Shar has never read this in her life, so I'm glad to be able to share this with her. This is verse 38 through 42. This is about Mary and Martha. Okay, now laugh. Go ahead. Get it out of your system, okay? I think she's preached on this 27 times. I counted. And I'm so glad because there's a lot of revelation in this. Now it happened, as they went, he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Isn't it funny? When we invite him, he comes. Remember? 
Okay, but I can't stop there, right? And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered her and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Here we have an invitation, one, a person that invited him, and we have a person that hosted him. How did Mary host him? It was the right thing that Martha was doing. She was doing the right thing. This, I mean, for a woman of this time, that was the right thing to do. Make some food. Make sure everybody's got enough to eat. It's actually transferred all the way to 2021, right? Make sure that he's got something to eat. But when we want to host Jesus, we sit at his feet, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. What did she do at his feet? How many times in prayer are we talking, and how many times are we listening? I'm not hearing the voice of God. Stop talking. Come on, man. That was a good word. If you want to hear the voice of God, zip it, bro. He can't talk when you're talking. (laughs) I mean, he can, but you ain't going to hear nothing. Okay. Would you stand with me and can I get a piano player, por favor? My, uh, my youth pastor, Pastor Casey Carey, anybody know him? Uh, he, again, he was my youth pastor, and uh, he said something all the time. He said it here, too. He said all the time. He'd be like, daily, daily, daily. Daily, daily, daily. And we all knew what he was talking about. And it was daily, spend time with Jesus. And it was reading the word. But here's the thing. Now, how many of you in here, you, can we just, can we have a transparent moment? We're all family, right? Some of y'all, we don't, we're not, some of y'all aren't even wearing shoes, so I know for sure we're family. Okay. Just a moment of transparency as I balance this for my first trick. That was good. Um, How many of you guys would say, that you're in a place right now in your walk with Christ that you're like, man, I just, I feel like I don't love him like I used to. If I'm going to be honest, I feel like the affections of my heart have been hijacked by other things, and I don't even want them to be that way, and I, I didn't ever want them to get there, but for some reason right now, I'm craving other things, and some of them aren't even bad things, but I find myself, when I get home late at night, I just want to binge on Instagram, and I used to want to go hit the prayer room. Am I talking to anybody? Raise your hand if I'm talking to you. Where you're like, man, I just, when I really want to relax, I just, I used to go and read my Bible, but now I just spend time watching Netflix and I binge that. Is there anybody in here that you're like, I just want, I feel like I I want to love God more? Anybody? 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 Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can I tell you something that will set you free tonight? The way to love God more is not through your performance. It is not through your efforts. It is not through trying harder. It's not through squinting more. (laughs) It's not through singing louder. It's not through reading more of the Bible. It's not even praying longer. 
Do you want to know? If you want to love Jesus more, if you identify in your heart, I'm loving other things more than Jesus, and I don't want it to be this way. If you want the answer, it's very simple. It's in 1 John. I think it's chapter 4. I think it's verse 19. But he says, we only love him because he first loved us. You're like, what does that mean? If you want to love Jesus more, let him love you more. That's it. You're like, that, but that's, that's too easy. <laughs> I'm used to working hard. I got to do something, right? No. Sit, worship, and listen. And let him love you. Let him remind you of how precious you are to him. Let him remind you of why he died for you to begin with. Let him remind you of why he knit you together in your mother's womb. Let him remind you that you are truly fearfully and wonderfully made. All of a sudden, when you begin to see yourself through the eyes of the Savior, your love for him will skyrocket. We love him because he first loved us. This is really good. Can you close your eyes? With everybody's eyes closed, this is going to be a selfish question. I just want to know if I was talking to anybody. Could you raise your hand if this was for you tonight? Everybody's eyes closed. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it helps It helps just to know when you're hearing the voice of the Lord right, you know. <clears throat> Hunter, can you come up here for a second, my friend? Keep your eyes closed, y'all. Quit looking at Hunter. I know he's good looking. Stop it. There you go. You can go back to your seat. I love you, man. I've seen so many young people fall away from God over the last nearly nine years. And it's oftentimes, most oftentimes, because they just don't spend time with the Lord. They don't host him on their own. They come here, and they're like, man, this is amazing. But they go home and they live their life and they wonder why things haven't changed for them. But it's because what's cultivated here can also be cultivated at home and it should be. So you're looking for the answer. That's your answer. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for every single person that is here tonight. Lord, I thank you for every single person that is listening to this this message. And Lord, I rebuke the voice of shame. I rebuke every attack of the enemy that's on their lives that is trying to hinder their time alone with you. And Lord, I pray that we would truly understand, that we would get a revelation of what John wrote in Revelation chapter 1. Lord, may this become a revelation in our spirits where John wrote, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Lord, may this become a revelation that's burning within the hearts of every single person that's hearing this, God. I pray for an absolute transformation of cravings in this place right now. Put your hand on your heart if you would. If you need your cravings to be transformed, if you've been craving other things other than him, this is your moment. Lord, right now, I just 
I just bless them in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you right now that you are gifting them a transformation in their hearts. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing right now. That is awesome. Just give them a moment. We'll get out of here soon. Just give them a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is, we say God is in control, and it's, and it's, there's a lot of truth to that, but it can easily become a cop-out. God will do his part, but we have to do ours. Can you open your eyes for a moment? We're going to get out of here, I swear, but I got to tell you this. If I, if I were to tell you that in order to drive your car, you have to put gas in it, would you say that I'm being legalistic? No, not a chance, right? It's called common sense. If I were to tell you in order to, to function well as a human being, you need to eat food, would you say that I'm, I'm, too, I'm too legalistic about rules and I'm too demanding and I'm too whatever? No, it's common sense. If you want to live a life of fruit, if you want to know Jesus deeply, you gotta, you got to host him every day. They offered up incense every morning and every night. It's a model. It's a template. I'm not being legalistic. <laughs> it's common sense. Okay? So, Lord, I bless your people in Jesus' name, and I thank you that we will be a kingdom of priests. We say yes to being a kingdom of priests. Lord, we will come before you and offer up incense. We're going to fill so many bowls that you're going to have too many on your hands, Lord, because you are good and you are faithful, and you paid the price for us to enter into the holy of holies whenever we want. So we choose in this place tonight that we will boldly approach the throne of grace. And we know that your throne lies in the praises of your people. So we will lift up our praises to you. And our goal will simply be a posture of worship. And we will worship you when nobody's watching. We'll worship you when everything else in the world seems to be falling down. We will praise you. And we will magnify you above all other things. Because you are worth it. We will be your kingdom of priests. And we love you. But we realize tonight that we only love you because you first loved us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Before you leave, give somebody a huge hug or a high five or a headbutt or a hand slap or a whatever you want to do. Go ahead. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.